All right, we are starting a new series this morning, and I want to start out with this uh, question for you really quick. What is love? Just think about that for a moment. What is love? If, if you made a list of all the things that you, that you love, how long would that list be? My guess is if you have a smaller notebook, you'd run out of page before you got to the end of the list. Because we love all kinds of things. I love pizza. I love mom, that tattooed. Uh, I love NASCAR. Now, I don't love NASCAR. But maybe you struggle with things to love. And so you, you have that problem. Maybe you have to love NASCAR because you don't know what else to love. I, uh, I love my wife. Maybe that, uh, maybe that makes your list. If you're a follower of Jesus... You know that we're commanded to love, even to love our enemies. But if we don't know what love is, if we don't understand its facets and its nuances, how can we accurately identify love when we see it, let alone participate in it? How do we, how do we function in love if we don't even really know what it is? And, and if and if love is love, as the world has been screaming lately, then how do we differentiate between the love we have for our favorite pair of shoes and, and the love we have for our spouse, if love is love? Can we just agree on something really quick right at the start of this message series before we go any, any further, and it's this, that the world's definition of love is unhelpful. The world's definition of love is unhelpful, and it's unhelpful because it varies from person to person and often from situation to situation. So if we go out into the world, if we talk to other people outside of the faith about what love is, we're going to get a whole lot of different answers about what love actually is. And I think part of the problem stems from the fact that we use the term love for a whole lot of different things. Um, we, we use the term love to express our fondness for things that we really like. I love pizza. Uh, I love The Office television show. Right? So I'm fond of those things. I, I like them. But if you add, I'm going to say, oh, I love, I love pizza. Oh, you had pizza? I love pizza. You're going to, Alex is going to come in and give me an office quote. I love that. I love talking uh, about that. We use the term love to express our ill-defined feelings. Like love is a, is a feeling. Well, you'll just know it when you, when you feel it. Uh, or tell our kids, well, you'll just, how do I know? What love? Well, you just know when you get there. I know we talk in, in marriage about falling in to love or falling out of love, which that's impossible, by the way. You don't really, we don't really fall into love. We don't really fall out of love. That's just the way that we kind of couch those terms. Well, we use the term love to express the sexual act that may or may not have anything to do with love. We use the term love to express an unconditional love, like the love a parent is supposed to have for their child. And yet you probably wouldn't have to think very far to come up with a name of a parent who doesn't really seem to show that kind of love to their kids. 
And so if the world gets to define love, then everything is love. And if everything is love, then nothing is love. What separates the disciple of Jesus, you and I, what separates the disciple or the follower of Jesus from the rest of the world is that we recognize that complex ideas like love have to be defined outside, outside of our limited experience. Complex ideas like love must come from outside our limited experience. And, and what I mean is this. When we leave the idea of love to be determined by individuals and who they are, then love is going to have a whole lot of different meanings. It's going to mean something different to your neighbor down the street on this side than it does on this side. And every person that you ask is going to have a different definition, a different idea of what love is. And, and so we've got to recognize that complex ideas, and love is one of the most complex ideas, they must come from outside our limited experience. When we define love personally, then the line gets, it gets blurred very quickly. But when we let God define love, then, then we're not functioning based on personal feelings anymore, and we can more easily recognize love when we see it and then when we don't. So do you understand what I'm saying? It's the same concept with the idea of, of right or wrong, good or evil. When we let individuals define those things, then they're all over the map. But if we let God define it, then I'm able to say, uh, this is wrong, what you're doing is, is wrong. I'm able to judge that, but I'm also able to judge myself. And I'm going to go, well, the, the, same, the same measure or standard that I apply to you also applies to me, and, and I can understand that I can do that because I'm not the one making the rules, right? So when we leave these complex ideas up to ourselves, we, we, we just cannot seem to get it right, and we cannot seem to come together on what the idea is. But when we let God define what love is, then we can go, okay, this is love. I can now recognize it. I can now function in it, and I can apply it both to myself and to other people with the same standard. So let's start with the most basic and greatest command that we find in Scripture from Jesus when it comes to love. This is from Mark chapter 12. One of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he, Jesus, answered them well, he asked this question, which commandment is the most important of all? Now, there are 613 commands in the Old Testament, uh, primarily in Leviticus, but also in um, Exodus and Deuteronomy. You'll find a, a whole bunch. And, and what happened is the, God gave the initial 10 commandments, and then he gave some more rules about that, and then the people immediately broke the rule, and so he gave some more commands uh, about how they broke the rule, and then they broke those rules, and then he gave some more commands, and so that just kind of kept happening. So there's 613, and so this guy comes and says, which one of the 613 plus there's about 700 other laws that the religious leaders added on top of that, which one 
is the most important of all. And Jesus answered, the most important of all the commands is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now that statement, that quote there is called the Shema, and Jewish people still say that today. The second, he said, and this is new that Jesus is adding, the second is this, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And we're going to start here in this uh, verse of what called the great commandment, to love God and to love others. But if we don't understand what love is, if we don't have a handle on what love is, how can we love God the way that he expects, and how can we love others the way that he intended? So I, I want to look first at the word love in this passage. It appears a couple times, because the Greek word translated love in Mark 12 is agapao, and you don't have to remember that. I won't test you at the end this week. It's actually one of several words, Greek words in our Bible, um, that are translated as love. And there are a lot of words for love in the Greek language, but I want to share just a, a few of them um, with you. The, the first one is phileo, and that is a, a tender affection. It's a brotherly love. It's for those people who are not in, in your family, right? If you're in a, if you're in a club, those brothers in the club, it's phileo is the word that's used to talk about the relationship that we have with them. If you've got a close friend, that relationship that you have is identified by the word phileo. The, the next Greek word that we see is the word storge. Storge is familial love. So phileo is a love that you have with somebody who's not in your family but is close Storge is familial love, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, cousins, those things. Then there's an, another word, um, eros. It is not in the, the, the New Testament or the Old Testament. Eros is the Greek word from which we get the word erotic, if that gives you any idea to its meaning. And we don't really see it in, in the Bible. If you did a Greek study, you wouldn't really find eros in the Bible, but you would find some of what eros kind of means, because eros gives us this idea of overwhelming passion. I'm, I'm filled up with passion. Anybody ever read Song of Solomon in the Old Testament? Yeah. Overwhelming passion. <laughs> that whole book is about this kind of love, but the word is never, is never used, um, partly because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, New Testament was written primarily in, uh, in Greek. So uh, that's the idea. If you want to get an idea of Eros, go back to the Old Testament, read the Song of Solomon. The, the last word is agape, and uh, agape is the noun form of the word agapao, which I mentioned just a, a minute ago, which is the verb form of, uh, of that, that word. And um, uh, the Bible... <laughs> When it comes to agapao or agape, that, that was a Greek word, but this really interesting thing happened when the writers of the Bible were, were filling out the pages. The writers actually redefined the Greek word agape within the pages of the Bible. 
So it was used in in Greek terminology, but the writers of the Bible actually redefined it. They gave it its own um, meaning. Uh, Let's say they gave it kind of a Christian meaning. So they said, here's how the word is used out in the world, but this is the way that we're going to use this word. Um, So let me just pause here now that I've given you a little Greek Greek lesson and, and just just throw this out. Uh, this series is called EXO. Valentine's Day is coming up. I always try to do a relationship on, uh, or a, a message series on love and relationships during the month of February. And, and let me just tell you, there will probably be this week, maybe the next few weeks, uh, some topics or ideas that we discuss in this series that may make you feel a little uncomfortable. Uh, especially if you, you grew up in church or, you know, like things about love and relationships and sex weren't talked about in, in church, you are probably going to feel a little bit uncomfortable. But I, I want you to know that while you may feel uncomfortable, um, the person next to you, um, the person next to you may benefit from what we're going to talk about. Um, so, so give me a little grace to deal with a a sensitive topic, um, understanding that I often don't deal with sensitive topics well. So, so just understand that as we um, uh, move through uh, this topic and things that just aren't brought up very often, but probably, and I think, are going to benefit us from talking about them, especially from the view of God. So the word, the Greek word, of these four, the Greek word that most often appears in the Bible, in fact, overwhelmingly appears in the New Testament, is the last word, agape, or its verb form, agapao. And, and here's how Vine's um, expository dictionary explains the word agapao. It says, love can be known only from the action it prompts. And we could probably spend a long time just on that sentence alone, right? Love can be known only by the action it prompts, which totally takes out that love as a feeling idea, right? He goes on to say, God's love is seen in the gift of his son, but God's love is not drawn out by any excellency in its objects, which, which means we can't earn the love of God. There's nothing that we do that God goes, oh, I'm going to love that person more. That, that doesn't happen. Love is not drawn out by the things that we do. Love is an exercise of the divine will, God's will, in deliberate choice, made without assignable cause, again, not because of things we do, save that which lies in the nature of God himself. So God loves you and me and everybody else in the world, not because of the things we do, but because who he is. Love doesn't have anything to do. His love to us doesn't have anything to do with what we do, how we live, whatever. The love that comes from God is a part of his nature. It is a deliberate choice of his to love us when he knows we're going to blow it. Wow. The love of of God that he would know the man and the name and the number of hairs he had on his head 
that drove the nails into the hands of his son. And by deliberate choice, God said, I'm going to love that guy despite what he's doing. That's crazy. Love had its perfect expression among men or humanity in the Lord Jesus. So Jesus is a physical expression of this deliberate choice love of God to mankind. And then Christian love, the love that we expect, express to others, is the fruit of God's spirit within the Christian. So love it comes from God. Basically, the kind of love that the Bible speaks of in the great commandment and in other places in Scripture. It came only from God. Um, it is part of God. It cannot be carried out consistently apart from a relationship with God. So it came from him, it's defined by him, and we're only able to love as we love through him. This is the kind of love that's most often talked about in the Bible. So, in the great commandment, in the great commandment, we are told about two objects for our love. There's two objects of our love. What are they? Number one is God. Number two? Right. How many of you cheated when it showed up? <laughs> love God, Jesus said. The greatest commandment of all the rest of them. Love God, love others. These are the two objects. Have you ever heard anybody um, say something like this? Uh, well, look, um, you're just having a conversation. They're like, look, um, I'm just taking a step back right now because I realized that I was spending all of my energy loving the people around me, and I just realized I, I need to love myself. I need to learn to love myself, you know? And so I, I, just, I just don't, I don't have any love to give right now. You heard anybody say that before? Maybe you've said it. <laughs> I, it's a big thing right now. I mean, if you're on social media, you're like, don't, you don't have to scroll very far. You're going to find somebody saying something like this. I just am I loving everybody else. I've just used up all my energy. I need to love myself. I, growing up, I, I was taught to um, kind, of, kind of live. It was, it was more like just learned. I don't know. But uh, we used the acronym JOY. Anybody know what the acronym JOY stands for? Ah, a few of you? Okay. So it stands for, uh, essentially, love Jesus first, love others second, love yourself third, right? Jesus, others, you. Is that how you heard it? Yeah. So growing up, that's kind of what I, I was taught. So we put Jesus first, and then it's other people, and then I'm, I'm last. But, but, I, but I looked, okay? I, I did a study. I did a search. Um, do you know that not a single place in the entire Bible did I find where a follower of Jesus is told to love themselves? <laughs> you just won't find it. You won't find a place where Jesus comes to somebody and goes, look, you've been expending all your energy. You just need to, you just need to take a step back and love yourself for a little bit. The, the closest thing that I could find was in Proverbs 19:8, where in the New Living Translation it says this: that to acquire wisdom 
is to love yourself. But nowhere do you find an example or a, a permission given to stop loving others so that we can love ourselves. Now, um, this doesn't happen to me very often, but um, this last week, I, I felt like I got some inspiration as I was going through the message and, and working on it. Uh, and, and there's a difference between um, revelation and inspiration. I happen to believe that there's not any new revelation given by God to us. We have the completed Bible. That's all the revelation of God that we need. So I don't think people uh, or pastors or people can come today and say, oh, I have a new revelation from God and here's what it is. Unless it lines up with the Bible, you kick it out the door and don't have anything to do with it. But I do believe that, that we as believers or followers can be inspired by God as we read his word to think about things in a new way and to have a new way of understanding, uh, understanding them. And so um, here's what uh, came to me this, this week. That we're not told to love ourselves because we're already lavishly loved by God. God's like, look, you don't have to worry about loving yourself because I already love you this incredible amount. First John chapter 3, verse 1 says this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, sons and daughters of God. When we know who we are in Jesus, that we're children of, of God, we don't have to take time out to love ourselves anymore. The, the Bible says the strength that we have to do the things that God calls us to do doesn't come from us anyway. It comes from God. So the closer we get to God, the better we're able to love the people around us. And we don't need to take time out to love ourselves. We need to take time out to be with God so that we can get back to loving others and loving him the way that he commands us to. And so the notion that I've got to love myself first before I can love others, it, it, it just biblically, it's just absurd. You and I already, think about this, you and I already love ourselves enough. <laughs> like, honestly, we love ourselves enough. Most of us, don't deny ourselves anything that we want. We can make an excuse for anything that, that we need. Um, can, can, I just, can I confess to you some things just really quickly? This is uncomfortable. Thank you, Sarah. I always count on you. I, I like technology stuff, right? So I, I like that, that kind of thing. And so um, when my... Uh, uh, Apple Watch Series 3 got a crack in the corner, I was thrilled. <laughs> because I was going to be able, I love you, honey. I was going to be able to go to my wife and go, look, my, my watch is cracked. I need a new one. I have heart problems. I got blood. I got issues, you know, my oxygen, whatever. I got, I, I got to have new, a new watch. And, and by the way, I can't just do a Series 4 because that doesn't have the things that the new one has that does. does like, we make excuses for the things that we want. If I'm tired, I, I sleep. If I'm hungry, I eat. If I want a new pair of jeans, I go out and, and buy them. And, and maybe you're going, well, I, you know, I don't have enough money to get the things that I want. I guarantee you, if you thought for a few minutes, there will be things in your life that you don't need. Well, you may think you need them but you get them because you want them. And if I want something, 
I'm going to figure out a way to get it. I'm going to figure out an excuse. I'm going to figure out some way to make it happen. Maybe I work a little more. Maybe I cut this down a, a, a little more. And so we get it. We love ourselves uh, enough. We take care of ourselves. Honestly, if we're honest, we take care of ourselves better than we deserve most of the time. Jesus said that we express love for God by loving and serving others or by extending this lavish love that God pours on us toward others, not by loving ourselves more. In fact, Jesus condemned the religious elite of his day for this very thing because they loved themselves a lot. And he said, that's not the way to live. And, and so this idea that we need to love ourselves, um, I'm going to be a little crass here, and I'm sorry about that. Um, we're just polishing up the same old crap and passing it off as mental health. That's what we're doing today. If you're a believer, that's what we're doing. So let's take a minute to talk about what love is not. What love is not. And, and this is, this is going to be fun, okay? It's not going to be fun. It might be fun. Not going to be fun. What, what, love is, what love is not? First of all, uh, love is not a, a feeling. Jesus said that we're to love God and love others with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our, do you remember? Strength, right? Our strength. Why would we need to love others with, uh, love God with all of our strength if love is just a feeling? It's not. Love, part of love is how we, we feel, but look, I've been married for 31 years. I guarantee you that my wife has not felt love to me every day of those 31 years. <laughs> One time she paid attention. Uh, I'm kidding. I love you. She doesn't love me right now. Uh, it's, not a, it's not just a feeling. It's partly a feeling. But it's not just a feeling. None of us loves ourselves only in our mind. Right? Like, like honestly, most of us are pretty hard on ourselves um, mentally. But we're really good physically at showing ourselves love because we take care of our needs and our wants. And so love may be felt. It, it may be felt. You may feel love from somebody, your spouse or whatever. But love is also expressed or must be expressed if it's to be taken seriously. So it's not just a feeling. There's more to it than that. Uh, the second one is, is this. Love is not sex. Love is not sex. There are a whole lot of people in the world today who are fighting for their right to have sex with whoever they choose. I should be able to have sex with whoever I I choose. And, and, and look, we're not just talking about the LGBTQ community. There's a lot of Christian people, heterosexual people, who are fighting for the right to have sex with whoever, whoever they choose. Many progressive so-called Christians today are, are choosing that same thing. You can't tell me who I can and can't love. That's how it's couched, Right? Don't tell me who I can and can't love. Like, love is, is love. Um, humanity has 
always had the ability to do whatever it chooses. Right? Humankind, not talking about Christian people, but humankind, we have always had the ability to do whatever it is we choose to do. It is followers of Jesus who are held to a higher standard, a stricter standard than the world. And so I am not the world's sex police. I do not want that job. I, I, do, not need, um, I do not need that job. And I will not condemn somebody outside of my faith for not following the rules that I have chosen to follow personally. And that's where the church gets in trouble, right? Because we try to apply our rules to people outside of our faith. And in fact, the, the Bible, the New Testament, Paul tells us, don't do that. That's stupid. Why would you apply your rules to somebody who doesn't follow your God? That doesn't make any sense. It's the same reason I tell you, why in the world would we boycott a non-Christian company for doing a non-Christian thing? <laughs> what do you expect they were going to do? Of course they were going to do that. But look, I just want to make sure that we understand. When you hear the argument that love is love, I want you to know that they're not talking about love. They're talking about sex. Because you and I have a lot of people who are the same gender that we love. And intimacy is not a part of that relationship at all. That's not what we're talking about. Sex is a physical expression of love within marriage. That's the way the Bible has set that up. But it is not the pinnacle act of love, not by a long shot. In, in fact, if you were going to rank sex in where, maybe we'll do this next week. But if you're going to rank sex where it falls in the spectrum of how we love each other, it's down on the list. Followers of Jesus must act in love, but we must also deal in reality. And who you choose to have sex with is not the same thing as who you choose to love. The vast majority of our relationships have no sexual component to them whatsoever. So let's call it what it is, or maybe in this case, what it isn't. Love is not sex. Number three, love is not fondness for things. Uh, just on my own, the last several months, um, in my personal life, I've been trying to avoid using the word love to describe things that I have an affinity or a strong uh, affection for. Um, this will be the third time I think I've said it. I really love pizza. I don't think there's ever been a time in my life where I have said something along the lines of, uh, well, I had pizza yesterday, so I'm not feeling like it today. If you offer me pizza, I will take pizza. Every chance I, I get, I love pizza. But I don't love pizza. I like pizza. So I've been trying to be more careful of the way I use the word love. And I would challenge you to try this because 
We are so used to saying the word love as a blanket expression for so many other feelings that I think it's lost its meaning. And so if we love everything, when we tell our spouse or our child, I love you, what does that mean to them? And I, and I, don't, I don't intentionally ever really try to offend you. Um, but, but let me just say, that we, there's a divorce culture in our world right now, okay? And I understand it, it happens, and there are probably some times where it needs to happen. But our children grow up hearing us say to our spouse, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, and then we stop loving them. And then we say to our children, I love you, I love you, I love you, and then we have to say these things, I will never stop loving you. If we love everything, and if love can stop in one situation, can't it stop in every situation? When we use the word love for everything that we just like or have an affinity for, we damage the word love. We tear it down. We make it nothing. And, and, and get this, we, we go back to the scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And I think Satan understands the love that God has for his creation. And if Satan can destroy the word love and what it means in our culture, he begins to erode and destroy the relationship that we have with God. It's very similar to if you grew up in a home with a father who was abusive or, or absent or whatever. It's difficult for you, probably, to understand a God as a father who loves you incredibly if you didn't experience that in, in your life. If we've never experienced what real love is, it will be difficult for us to understand the love that God has for us. It's the same kind of thing. So, if I can love my wife and I can love a sports team, and I can love my car, and then I can trade any of them off because they don't perform the way that I want to, that is not love. And it would be beneficial for us to stop using the term in the way that we do. I'm sure there's probably more things that we could talk about about what love is not, but that's probably three key it's probably good enough for now. Let's talk about what love is for just a minute. And we're going to start the definition this week, and then we're going to wrap it up. But we're going to add to it next week as, as we talk about some more um, things. But let's, um, let's use this for a, a definition uh, here. Love is what happens when an individual prompted by God's Spirit responds to humanity lovingly. Now, there's um, two parts here working together in this sentence. First, love must be prompted by God's Spirit. We are incapable of loving with the definition that the Bible gives us, the understanding of agapao, love, the way we're to love God and love others. We are incapable of doing that without God's Spirit prompting us. Biblical love 
does not reside in us apart from God. And so love comes from God, love is defined by God, and love only finds its fullest measure in cooperation with God. And and so that's the first. Love happens when an individual is prompted by God's Spirit. Secondly, to respond to humanity lovingly. Love also responds physically. If you only loved your spouse in your mind, in your heart, in your soul, and you never expressed that love physically to your spouse, that relationship would not last very long. And, and I'm not, I'm not ta- love is not sex, right? So it's not what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about the looks and the, and the touches and the kind words and taking the trash out, not because you have to, but because you want to, even if it's cold and, and whatever, that you do things. Love has to have that physical component to it because love doesn't happen in a vacuum. Jesus said it this way, if you have the means to help, but you do nothing, that's not love. It's not love. Love moves us and it motivates us and it's best expressed in a, a materially in the world when it meets real needs. When we help and care and love one another. And so here's our challenge uh, this week. Now that we have a definition of, of love, and, and by the way, this definition and all the things we've talked about today, you can find on the My Message Notes page on the website. So if you want to go back and kind of review that look, there's a place where you can add notes and things, um, and you can even email that to yourself. My notes and your notes, and you can have it all um, together. So, so here's the challenge. We've got this definition of love. Express that love to somebody today. Don't, not, I'm not talking about tomorrow. I'm saying today. Express this kind of love to somebody um, today. And, and let, me just, let me just say, you can start with somebody that's closest to you, your spouse, your, your child, your friend that you're here at church with, whatever. You can express that to somebody that you're closest to um, to get kind of warmed up to it. But, but here's the reality. The less you are known The less you are known, the less you are liked, or the less likely you are to be repaid by the person to whom you are showing love, the more closely your love resembles God's agapao love. So if you need some help, start by loving somebody who's close to you that you're comfortable with. But understand that the farther you get removed from yourself, remember, um, Love your enemies. The farther you get removed from yourself, from somebody who likes you or is going to repay you for the love that you show, the more closely that love resembles God's agapao love. That's your challenge. Let's pray. God, thanks for loving us today. Thank you for giving us this example for love. God, forgive us when we have tried to impose our understanding of love on you. And so we've tried to love you in the way that we want to love you instead of loving you the way that you have described, you have prescribed for us to love you. God, forgive us as a nation and a world for tainting this beautiful thing 
You loved us so much that you gave your son. And, and, and yet in many ways, we have, we have tainted and we've torn down what that love even means. And so help us as, as followers of your son, Jesus, to love in the way that you've described in your word, to love you, to love others. And thank you, God, for the lavish love that you give to us. Would you help us as you love us to love others in that same way? Would you empower us by your spirit? Would you give us the things that we need, the strength, the help, even bring to our minds the ways that we could love other people and those around us as we go about our week. Help us, help us to love like your son so that we look more like your son each and every day. God, help us to love this week in Jesus' name, amen. All right, hey, next week, uh, part two of this series, XO, and we're gonna talk about three forms that are present in the, the word, our understanding of the word agapao. Uh, love, uh, well, agapao love, and, and how it looks in the Bible. Because um, these forms of love and other ideas of love, um, there's only one relationship that we have where all of those things are included in that one relationship. No other relationship, not even our relationship with God, has all the facets and nuances of love in it except for one. And so uh, come back next week. We're going to talk about that. Bring a friend um, because uh, this stuff that we're talking about, love and what it means to be loved by God and love others can change a life. So join me next Sunday. Thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in to Real Life Live. Our hope and prayer is that the time you've spent with us has left you encouraged and challenged in your faith. It may have also left you with some questions or maybe wondering how all this faith stuff works. So we want to help you with that. Head over to reallifecc.us for a few different ways we can connect. We're thankful you joined us today and want to extend an invitation for you to join us in person at our current home in El Dorado, Kansas at the Civic Center, 201 East Central on Sundays at 10 a.m. We hope You'll keep tuning in and growing in your faith to look more like Jesus every day. See you next time.